Welcome back, DC fans, to episode 9 of the DC Comics News Podcast. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to bring you all the news in the world of DC Comics. I'd like to start off uh, by saying, apologizing, haven't been on for a few weeks. I attended New York Comic Con at the beginning of the month, and right at the end, I came down with a pretty severe case of the con flu, and it kind of knocked me on on my butt for for a couple of weeks, so I haven't really been able to do a whole lot. Uh, but I'm feeling a lot better, and I wanted to get back to it. Um, that's why I've been trying to make sure I at least put something on the podcast network. I put out uh, one of the panels that I went to and uh, a couple of interviews. I did um, the Scott Snyder interview and the Dan Waters interview, which uh, which were both great. Um, but you know, I, I'm feeling better, so I want to get back to the podcast. Uh, and so here we are with episode nine, and uh, I think we should just jump right into it. First off, I want to start. I want to talk about the new trailer and sneak peek video for the Reign of the Superman animated film. Reign of the Superman is the follow up to the Death of Superman, which came out earlier this year. It is uh, DC's newest animated film, and it follows the aftermath of Superman's death and the rise of the Superman, uh, which includes Steel, Cyborg Superman, Superboy, and the Eradicator. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited for this film. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to some of the cast and crew at uh, New York Comic Con about it, so uh, I'm really excited for it. I love the uh, the death of Superman, and I'm really happy that they decided to split this story you know, in, into two as opposed to what they did with Superman Doomsday uh, back in 2008, uh, where they just kind of like crammed it all together. So uh, I, I'm pumped to see where they go with it, and the the, the trailer and the sneak peek. Actually, I, I I loved it. I thought, uh, you know, seeing all four of the Supermen uh, doing their thing, you know, I I think they looked great. You know, they they kept you know they kept the same look, obviously. You know, they have the same character designer and all that stuff, same director and everything. Uh, different writers, but from because I spoke to the writers uh, at New York Comic Con, and and you know they're doing you know their own story, but building off of what's already already there from the death of Superman, obviously, and from the sort the uh, the great source material uh, from the comics. So I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, the trailer was great. Go ahead, check that out. They also released a sneak peek video. Um, that I thought was really cool. It had, you know, it showed you know some footage from the movie. It showed some storyboard art, which I love that kind of stuff. And then it had um, uh, kind of like almost like interview type type things where some of the cast and crew were talking about the film. It was really a neat thing to watch. It gave you a little bit more uh, depth into what to expect for the film. Uh, go and check out. They're both on YouTube. They're both um, on. The DC Comics uh, News dot com page. Uh, we posted an article about it with the links to both uh, videos in it. So go uh, to www.dccomicsnews.com and uh, check out both those videos. And next up, Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed back 
to June 5th of 2020. Now, originally, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to come out uh, November 1st of 2019. This is actually the the second time it was pushed back. It was supposed to come out, I believe, in the summer of 2019 originally, and they pushed it to November, and that's where it had sat for a while. Um, A month before it will be the new Joker movie. So when I found out that these two movies were going to be released four weeks apart, I... I said, I've said this multiple times, on mul- I know I've said it on the podcast, and I've said it on online, that one of these movies was going to move. I, I, I kind of thought that one of them would move forward, but it makes, it do, you know, after thinking about it, it does make sense to push it back. It gives it more time, they don't have to rush, and pushing it back to June of 2020 I think is actually really a smart idea because the first Wonder Woman came out in June and it and it smashed. It did great. So I think and you know this is this is the you know, the reasoning that they gave for it was because they wanted to capitalize on that uh, that summer release date that they had done so well with before. Whether that's just a smokescreen or not, who knows. But I do think it's a good idea to kind of claim that early June spot make that, you know, one of DC's time frames, and to have Wonder Woman come out again in that time slot, I think will bode well for it. Um, And it'll give uh, the new Joker movie a little bit of extra breathing room. Now, yes, you know, by the time Wonder Woman would have came out, you know, it's four weeks later, it would pretty much be through its main leg, but it still will give them some breathing room with the advertising they don't have to be uh pushing pna for both uh, of these films they can save them that money for wonder woman for june so i think it's a really a really smart idea they've got aquaman coming out this november you know they've got shazam coming out in in april then they've got joker coming out in october then they'll have birds of prey coming out February of 2020, and then Wonder Woman in June of 2020, and so I think that's actually a really good uh, spaced out schedule. You know, you, you don't have anything, and you you really don't have any two big time frames. Uh, I think the largest chunk of time without a DC movie is about six months from uh, Shazam to to Joker, which I think that's fine, and I think. You know, with Birds of Prey being in February and Wonder Woman being in June, it's plenty of you know, four months. It's plenty of time to allow Birds of Prey to kind of cool down and then ramp up the, uh, the the promotion for Wonder Woman and really give it the biggest push that it you know that it can get going into this sequel. And speaking of uh, Shazam, Shazam is now entering a three weeks of reshoots starting November 1st. Shazam wrapped production this past May, but the cast and crew will be heading back to Toronto next month as they are scheduled for three weeks of reshoots from November 1st to to November 18th. Uh, Hopefully this will shed some light on the lingering question of Henry Cavill's status in the DCEU as last month it was reported that Cavill and Warner Brothers couldn't come to terms on a deal for a cameo in the Shazam film, and that the door was closed 
on any future appearances from Cavill's Superman. Now, of course, Cavill's manager pushed back on that, giving fans a bit of hope that things weren't 100% finalized yet. So if a deal were to be struck, hopefully we will hear about it during uh, these reshoots in the coming month. Uh, another story that takes place in the DCEU is uh, about Aquaman 2, and apparently uh, in this month's total film, Jason Momoa apparently uh, came out and said that the film sets up plenty of storylines that could feed into a sequel, and that he's already pitched his ideas to WB bigwigs. Juan uh, described the groundwork that the film has laid, saying that there's definitely stories, even within the world we've created, that you can actually see other storylines spinning out off from as well. There's the Aquaman story, but then there's stories of the seven different kingdom, kingdoms as well, and I think those would be very fun to explore. Momoa also has plans for the sequel, saying, I definitely have an opinion. Even when we were shooting Aquaman, I have the opening of Aquaman 2 ready. I went in and pitched it to producer Peter Safran, and I pitched it to Warner Brothers chairman Toby Emmerich. They loved it. It's awesome. But yeah, I have plans for Aquaman 2. So, I mean, obviously, WB is really uh, confident in Aquaman. You know, they, they you haven't really, there has really hasn't been any uh, any stories of problems on the set or anything like that coming out of Aquaman. So I, I know I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of my uh, most anticipated for the rest of the year. And uh, I hearing things like this, hearing Warner Brothers really liking the you know the idea for the sequel and you know them being interested in a sequel obviously that means that they like what they're seeing from from Juan and, and Momoa in the first film so I'm really pumped to see where they go from there and lastly in movie news a young Bruce Wayne and Alfred have been cast in the Joker movie uh, the new Todd Phillips Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix uh, we'll now have, like I said, the young Bruce Wayne, who will be played by Dante Pereira Olsen. From, uh, you may know him from You Were Never Really Here and uh, the sci-fi series Happy. And the Wayne family butler, Alfred, will be played by Douglas Hodge from Penny Dreadful and Red Sparrow. Um, I, I, I really... I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think that having either of these two characters in the film moves the needle much for me. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, that they brought in Thomas Wayne and made it seem like he was kind of gonna kind of be, um, kind of like the Joker's foe almost. Um, not, you know, in the same sense that Batman is, but it'd be kind of like the guy that, that, Joaquin's uh, Joker would be kind of going against. And I thought that was interesting, and it makes sense that Bruce and Alfred would exist, you know, because you don't want... I mean, you don't want the Joker to be that... I mean, he's already going to be a decent amount... A decent... There's going to be a decent age gap between Batman and the Joker from, from this film. But seeing... That you know, uh, I think you know they from the way it looked, 
Bruce in this will be about 10 or 11, so it's like a year or two before um, his parents die. So I, th- I think it's, you know, it'll be... I mean, it's fine. Like I said, it doesn't really move the needle for me. I don't really know either of these uh, two actors all that much. And, and to be honest, like, I just want to see—I just want to see the film. You know, all the all the set photos that we've been seeing, and and, and all that kind of stuff, and the look of of Joaquin. Like, that's what's drawn me in. All these other things, you know, even the Thomas Wayne thing. You know, having Thomas and Bruce and Alfred. Honestly, I don't care that much. But it's interesting, so let me know what you guys think. Are you guys looking forward to this movie? Do you like the fact that there's going to be a young Bruce Wayne and an Alfred in it? I don't know, let let me know. And speaking of Alfred and Thomas Wayne, those two characters have been cast in the new Pennyworth television series for Epics. Alfred will be uh, played by Jack Bannon of The Imitation Game. And Thomas Wayne will be played by Ben Aldrich from the CW series Rain. Now, this actually intrigues me a little bit more than uh, that casting for the Joker. Obviously, you need to have Alfred in a show about Alfred. So it's great that they have finally uh, locked down their leading man for the show. And... It makes total sense that Thomas Wayne, you know, a younger Thomas Wayne would exist in this. Now, I, you know, we don't really know much about the show. There's really not much detail. So I don't know if, you know, he'll already be the butler and he'll be doing other stuff. Because it's like, what kind of show is this? Is he going to be um, like, an, you know, an MI6 agent, uh, you know, British intelligence and be off doing stuff like that. Um, will he be, you know, just like an acquaintance of Thomas Wayne at first? I mean, we, you know, we really don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm intrigued, and I'll, I might check it out. I don't have epics, but I'll, you know, I might do, you know, wait till the, the whole show comes out, do like uh, the trial, and check out, you know, the first couple episodes, see if, you know, if it's worth watching, but. You know, it's 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 interesting, and uh, I don't know. Let, let let me know. What do you guys think about this Pennyworth show? It's coming off the heels of something like Gotham, where that you know it's already a a Batman prequel. This show is going even farther back, and you know, diving into uh, you know another non-Batman, you know, another character that isn't Batman in the world of Batman. So. I don't know. I, like I said, Gotham, I really enjoyed, but I really don't see them doing the same type of thing with this show, bringing all these iconic Batman villains in. Like, I, I, I really don't want to see Alfred fighting the Penguin, you know. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Next up, Jimmy Olsen's sister has been cast in Supergirl. Ozzy Tesfe has been cast as Kelly Olsen, the sister of James Olsen. Uh, and although Jimmy Olsen has been portrayed as having various family members in the comic books, Kelly Olsen appears to be a character original to the CW's Supergirl. She's described as an intelligent and insightful woman 
who spent some time in the military in order to pay for medical school. She's recently discharged from the military and is currently finishing her training as a psychiatrist. She's got a large heart and cares deeply about others. Supergirl airs Sunday nights on the CW, so definitely check it out. I'm intrigued. I don't really know uh, much of this actor or this actress, so I, I can't really go on, on that. But I am. I mean, you know, I love the show, and it doesn't seem like she's going to be a super big part. But hey, you know, you want to bring in a new character? I think that's you know why not? You know why not? Uh, speaking of Supergirl, another character will be joining the cast of Supergirl, and that is the iconic villain Lex Luthor. He'll finally be making his debut during the current season of Supergirl. However, he will not be appearing in the crossover like many had originally thought. So, it is possible that he, he may not show up until sometime in 2019 in the back half of the uh, season. Uh, also, no casting has been announced yet. So, I love that they're finally going to bring in uh, Lex. They've been doing a lot more uh, with that family. Um, you know, you got all the stuff with Lena. And then recently, you know, they brought in uh, Mercy Graves, who, you know, Lex's right hand, you know, is top security officer. And so, I, I, you know, it's just it was just a matter of time before Lex would come into the show. And uh, I'm actually really looking forward to, to it, and, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see who they end up casting, and, uh, and you know, and how they play the role. <clears throat> it's like, will it, you know, will it be more like the Michael Rosenbaum version? Will it be more like the Gene Hackman version? Will it be more like the Jesse Eisenberg version? Who knows? I guess we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and find out. Next up, uh, Legends of Tomorrow will have their own crossover. Showrunner Kito Shimizu previously teased that during the week that all the other crossovers are happening, Legends will essentially be crossing over with themselves. It will involve alternate time periods. And star Katie Lotz went on to say, you're going to see some different versions of us. It's a wild episode, it's pretty crazy, and I think people will like it. So I think this really uh, uh, fits in tone with you know what we've seen on this show, jumping back and forth through time, and they're going to you know end up uh, meeting themselves. So it's, you know, like they said, it's like a crossover with themselves, and that's really kind of kind of cool. And I like that they're going to do something during that week, during that crossover week in December, where you know Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash are all going to be doing this big Elseworlds crossover with Batwoman and all this other crazy stuff going on. It's nice to see that Legends will be doing something off, off on their own. So that would be kind of, you know, you know, it'd be fun to watch. The show's already you know, a blast to watch. So uh, th- I think that'll be really interesting. And that about wraps up TV news. Uh, next we have comic book news. We have a couple of stories in the world of DC comic books. The first uh, is some details have emerged about the upcoming series, The Other History of the DC Universe. Academy Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley uh, from 12 Years a Slave 
examines the mythology of the DC Universe in this compelling new miniseries that reframes iconic moments of DC history and charts a previously unexplored socio-political thread as seen through the prism of DC superheroes who come from traditionally disenfranchised groups. This unique new series presents its story as a prose by Ridley, married with beautifully realized color illustrations from a selection of exciting illustrators and comics artists. Alex Dos Diaz provides art for issue number one, which follows the story of Jefferson Pierce, the man who will one day become Black Lightning, as he makes his way from being a young track star to a teacher and ultimately to his role as a hero. Future issues will focus on characters such as Karen and Mel Duncan, Tatsu Yamashiro, and Renee Montoya. Exclusively researched and masterfully executed, the other history of the DC Universe promises to be an experience unlike any other. You may think you know the history of the DC Universe, but the truth is far more complex. The other history of the DC Universe isn't about saving the world. It's about having the strength to simply be who you are. Uh, This series, it'll be a five-issue prestige format series starting January 30th. And this is something that I am super stoked about. It, it's some, it's so different, and I think it's something that in this right now in this time, this you know political climate, it's something that's needed. You know, people need to realize that human beings are of you know all different races and ethnicities and everything else. And I love that DC is leaning into this and really giving us you know something amazing to, uh, to to read that deals with these these groups of people and that that showcases them in a way that isn't you know that isn't usually done so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for that check that out when it hits stands on January 30th and the last story of the day is the uh, delayed Walmart giant size books will be coming out this Sunday. DC has confirmed that Justice League Giant number 4 will be available at select Walmart stores on Sunday, October 28th. It was supposed to come out uh, a couple of weeks ago, but had been pushed back uh, a couple of times, you know, a week at a time. It got pushed, kept getting pushed back. And they on their Twitter, they finally confirmed that it will be coming out on the 28th. And since Justice League Giant and Superman Giant have been releasing on the same day, uh, and neither of them have come out yet. Uh, I'd say that it's probably a safe bet that Superman Giant number four will also hit shelves on Sunday, but there hasn't been any actual confirmation about that one. Um, there, the twenty eighth is also the day that uh, Batman Giant and Teen Titans Giant is supposed to come out, so it may be uh, a you know a full four issue release day. Uh, so make sure you hit up hit up your Walmart and grab all those issues. When they come out, um, Justice League Giant number four has uh, the second part of the brand new Wonder Woman story in it, so you definitely want to check that out when it hits stands. Next up is a new segment that uh, I'm starting this week called the Spinner Rack, where I talk about uh, some five top picks for the week of comics that, that are being new con- DC comics that are being released. Um, so I kind of I go through the list and I pick out five that I want to highlight, uh, and 
So yeah, here we go. The first one is from the, the, the Sandman universe. It's called Books of Magic number one. Spinning out of the Sandman universe number one, it's the return of Neil Gaiman's magic, magical morality fable in an all-new series written by Cat Howard and drawn by Tom Fowler. Timothy Hunter may be destined to become the most powerful magician in the universe, but he's still a London teenager, and having magical abilities complicates things more than it helps. It's not like he can use the magic to pass his exams, stop being bullied, or convince his cute friend to date him. And while Tim's trying to live his life, there are cultists who want to kill him, believing his power will eventually corrupt him into becoming a merciless mage. Oh, and those are the good guys. Luckily, his new substitute teacher is more than she appears and may be able to help Tim discover the mystery behind the books of magic. My next choice is Old Lady Harley number one. After liberating New York City from her now feral gang of Harleys, poor Harley wants nothing more than to slip back into retirement in her coastal and heavily guarded paradise. But the Laughing Boys gang has another idea. They'll follow her to the ends of the earth to drag her back to their leader. It can't actually be him, right? He couldn't possibly still be alive, could he? After all, Harley killed him herself with her bare hands. Should she turn to President Power Girl for help or flee to the 51st state Atlantis? Step into an insane version of a future DC universe we all better hope we don't live to see. My third pick is Action Comics number 1004. Superman confronts Lois Lane and wants answers. Where is John Kent? What happened during Lois's trip into space with Jor-El? Why didn't she contact the Man of Steel when she returned? And most importantly, does she still love him? Or is the world-famous reporter looking to let Clark down easy? Lois and Clark's relationship gets redefined in this issue, illustrated by acclaimed artist Ryan Sook. Number four is The Terrifics Number 9. The Terrifics struggle to escape their respective plates while trying to save members of the, of the Tom Strong family as chaos reigns across the multiverse. But as Doc Dredd's true identity is revealed, that unmasking hits especially close to home for Sapphire Stag, who's in mortal danger after she learns the fate, fateful secret. And she's not the only terrific in trouble. Just wait until the team finds what threat awaits them back at their Gotham City headquarters. And finally, Wonder Woman number 57. The Witching Hour Part 4 is here. As Hecate's new world is born, Wonder Woman is under the goddess's total control. This is magic's darkest hour, and one of the world's most powerful magicians of all time may not survive. Be sure to come back next week for the finale of this epic story in Justice League Dark and Wonder Woman, The Witching Hour. So there you have it, folks. Those are my top five picks for the week. Uh, let me know what you're picking up. What's in your pull list? Uh, you know, are you interested in any of these five that I uh, that I talked about? Is there something else that's coming out this week that you're really looking forward to? Sound off in the comments and let me know. Next, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about the new Titans series. Uh, we've so far for the DC Universe, we have gotten uh, two episodes have released. For this new Titans series. 
and I, I just kind of wanted to you know talk a little bit about them, give my thoughts. I gotta say, I really have been enjoying these. Uh, I, I I loved the second episode even more than I liked the first one. Um, with the first episode, I I really enjoyed where they were going with it, though I did think that some of the violence was a bit heavy-handed, um, and I felt that way a little bit in the second episode as well. It's just kind of part of the series. Uh, it didn't really turn me off of it, but it, it did feel like almost a little unnecessary, but I can get past that, you know, easily. Um, I love uh, Brenton Thwaites, uh, Dick Grayson. I love his portrayal of that character. Um, Tegan Croft as Rachel. She, I think she's doing a great job. I really, I'm interested to see where they go. She's getting, uh, her character's getting darker. And I'm really hoping that they dive into her connection to Trigon by the end of the season. At least touch on a hint at it so that maybe that's something that they'll, they'll dive heavier maybe into for season two since they they have been picked up for a second season already and then when it came to uh starfire you know that's the character that a lot of people were worried about um you know bashing from the trailers i actually really dug anna diop's uh portrayal of this character i thought she you know she was strong powerful uh, I, I really, I was every time she was on screen, I was drawn to it. I really dug it, and so I'm, I'm really excited to see how far they go with this character. Um, at New York Comic Con, I was able to talk to the you know the cast and executive producers of Titans, and uh, they hinted a little bit at uh, Starfire. And, and what what will happen for her throughout the season? So we'll go and check out uh, those interviews, as well as all the other uh, roundtable interviews that I have put up. I'll be putting up some more uh, in the next couple of days. I'll be putting up uh, Batman the Animated Series as well, and and Reign of the Superman that I talked about earlier. Um, but getting back to Titans episode two, like I said, I I I loved. I thought it was fantastic. The introduction of Hawk and Dove, those two characters, they were fantastic. And uh, Alan Richardson and Minka Kelly, they their chemistry together was palpable. It was so perfect. I absolutely loved it. They were just electric on screen. And I, I, I could watch an entire series of just them doing their thing. And I cannot wait to see what, you know, what happens with them in the third episode. For the, you know those of you who have seen it, you saw that ending, and it was kind of crazy. And so I, I I can't wait for Friday to see what happens next. Finally, uh, I want to share uh, one of the interviews that I did over at New York Comic Con with uh, writer Rob Venditti. He worked on Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. He worked uh, he works on. Um, Hawkman, the new Hawkman series, and he's doing a new Freedom Fighters series, all of which we talk about during our, inter- our interview. So uh, just please stay tuned and uh, and give that a listen. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, and I'm here today with Mr. Rob Venditti. He, uh, you may know him from such titles as Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, 
Hawkman, and even the upcoming Freedom Fighters series. Uh, thank you, Rob, for uh, taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, for uh, all the people out there who may not quite know who you are, can you uh, tell them a little, about, a little bit about yourself and your career thus far? Wow, let's see. So I've been writing mainstream comics, I guess, since about 2012. But the first thing I published was called The Surrogates. That was in 2005. It was a creator-owned book that I did for a company called Top Shelf. At the time, I was working in their warehouse as sort of their box packer guy. And uh, I wrote The Surrogates, and then they published it. Uh, Brett Wadley was the artist on that book. I ended up getting adapted into uh, the Bruce Willis film, Surrogates. And that was kind of how I really got my start uh, in the business. So. Very cool. Uh, I know this December your limited series, Freedom Fighters, is coming out. What sources are you pulling from for this series? Uh, for instance, did you draw from the Mastermen one-shot by Morrison and Lee or even the, uh, the CW crossover that they did last year? Uh, mostly the Mastermen one-shot and the history of the Freedom Fighters characters going back to the 70s and beyond. You know, the Jimmy Palmiotti stuff in the early 2000s. Palmiotti and Gray, I should say. Um, kind of all of it. Uh, but also a big influence on it was uh, a book I'm doing for Vertigo that'll be out in May of next year called Six Days, which is a non-fiction based on a true story about World War II, a, a battle that my uncle was in. And I'd already been really in that mind space of thinking about World War II and the sacrifices the soldiers made and, and what that meant and all those kinds of things when they approached me about Freedom Fighters, which is very much another way of looking at that same question you know instead of looking at it from the perspective of six days you know living in a world where world war ii uh was won uh by the allies freedom fighters looks at it from the perspective of what if the allies had lost so it's sort of two sides of the same coin and, and that i think more than anything is the biggest influence on the book and speaking of uh non-fiction are there any real-world moments that you're planning on putting an EarthX spin on for this series? Uh, I don't know about real-world moments necessarily, because when we open up, it's in the 1960s, and Hitler has won World War II already, and America has been fallen for about 10 years. So we do use dates, and we do have real-world people. Jesse Owens is somebody who's in the very first book. Uh, Hitler is a character that's in, in, in uh, some of the early issues. We deal with descendants of Hitler, and we deal with uh, things like that. But it's very much a world-building, sort of reimagining of what the modern day would be like if uh, Hitler had really won World War II, and we kind of extrapolated out from there. And I know you also recently started the the Hawkman ongoing series. Was this a character that you really wanted to uh, take on, or was it something that DC came to you with? DC came to me about the character, but I was immediately very interested because. One of the things I enjoy the most about working in serialized comics and being in a shared universe is the sort of puzzle piece aspect of it, you know, trying to fit the character into a shared universe and adapt to different things. And all I knew really about Hawkman when I started out was that he had this sort of enormously confusing backstory to him, which presented to me the idea of him almost being like the ultimate puzzle. If I could work with this puzzle and put the pieces together, uh, that's a huge challenge. and Let me see if I can do it. And uh, that was what really drew me to it. And how much did uh, Hawkman Down factor into your plans? Hawkman Found, you said? Yeah. Uh, a big part, but I would say even beyond Hawkman Found, it was really more of metal and what, what Carter Hall represented in that series, what was real about him in that series. When Scott said, 
that it's no longer just Prince Khufu in ancient Egypt. It goes back much farther than that. That opened up this wide area that we were able to deal with in terms of history. And you can really now get into a story. What has he been doing for those 10,000 years? You know, he's been reincarnating across time. He's been reincarnating across space. He's been on Thanagar. He's been on Krypton. He's been all these different places. I don't know if we would be able to do that story without the door opening, the metal opened of that really large uh, history that, that the character has now. And for me, as a longtime fan of Green Lantern, your run on Hail Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, was some, some of my favorite stuff that, I, that I've read. Um, you managed to do a lot with, with his character, but was there anything that you, in particular, that you never got to do for this series that you really wish you had? I mean, there's always stories that you wanted to do, and there were ideas we had for crossovers and things that never really panned out. But 85 issues is a really long time to be working on a character, and uh, to be able to have Hal, John, Guy, and Kyle all together in one book for 51 issues, I mean, that's just awesome, you know, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. So uh, the four corpsmen, as I call them, were great to work on. I don't feel that anybody's ever really done that for that ex extended amount of time before. So for me to be able to do it was uh, was really fortunate, and to do it for that amount of time was really fortunate. So, you know, no regrets. Are there any other DC characters that you'd like to get your hands on? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, so many, you know. But uh, that's not to say I don't love who I'm working on right now. I mean, I'm, I'm so enthusiastic about Hawkman and what Brian and I are building. I'm so enthusiastic about Freedom Fighters, which you know, the world hasn't really seen yet, but what Eddie Barrows and I are doing there uh, really gets me excited. It's, it's a great blessing to be able to sit down and to be excited about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so while there are certainly other characters, marquee ones like Superman or lesser-known ones like Dead Man that I would love to work on, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be doing what I'm doing right now. And finally, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to anyone who's trying to get into the comics business, what would that be? Be humble, you know, like it, it's, and the arts in general. And by that, what I mean is uh, you're never going to have all the answers. You're never going to have it all figured out. You're never going to write the perfect story. You're always going to be learning because it's art and there is no answer, you know. So if you're always humble about it in the way you deal with editors and the way you respond to criticism, and the way that you sit down and write your own stories and, and you always have that that self-doubt and that knowledge that you always need to improve and you always need to be better because it's never going to be perfect I think that's what will keep you uh, once you think that you've got it all figured out that's when you're in real trouble because you're not even smart enough to know what you don't know <laughs> so uh, that would be my advice alright well thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me thank you I appreciate it and this is Josh Rayner signing off. All right. I'd like to, again, thank Mr. Venditti for you know taking the time to sit down with me and, and chat at uh, New York Comic Con. It was you know, a great opportunity, and, uh, and I, I love all his work. So it was, it was great to actually sit down and, and talk with him. And I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the interview. And let, let me know in the comments what you thought. And... Uh, Definitely make sure you go, like I said, go check out all the other interviews over at uh, www.dccomicsnews.com. And I've got uh, roundtable interviews for both Titans and Gotham up right now. I've you know, over on the podcast network uh, right here. We've got uh, a Scott Snyder interview and a Dan Waters interview. 
so be sure to check all of that out. And don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast network and uh, give us a rate and review. It really helps us to move up in the rankings. You know, if you like what you're, you know, hearing, please give me a you know a five star rating. It'll really, really help us out. And, and, and the reviews, those will always help. You know, gives us some feedback. Um, and if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, I'd really like you guys to send some my way. I'd love to start doing. Uh, like kind of like a mailbag type of situation. So just send them over to my email. It's Joshua. It's J-O-S-H-U-A at DCComicsNews.com. Again, that's Joshua at DCComicsNews.com. Send me all your DC-related questions, and I'll be more than happy to uh, answer them on air. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, all that. All at DC Comics News. And as always, read more comics. <laughs>